that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people and I've played some too. And there's one thing I know, people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you're at. Hey, yeah, baby. How y'all making this evening? Thanks for joining me here, Mardi Gras folks. On the Spudcast podcast, as I'm talking up my ass with um, the CEO and president of B1 Bank, Jude Melville, who, while he isn't on the Fed, he's one of the people that the Fed calls when they want to find out what's going on amongst all of us little folks. So I got a two-part interview with him. Part one's coming up. Part two will be tomorrow, and I'm also going to rerun them so you hear them again. But in the meantime, uh, Jude Melville is coming up on his podcast, talking out his ass right after this. Spud here. Did you know ABC Title's been around 30 years? 30 years! And those 30 years went by scary fast. And now with seven locations, they're even scarier and faster. Everything from license plates to a notary public. Plus, as if they weren't scary fast enough, you can go online at abctitle.com, start the ball rolling before you even get there. Get road ready in record time with your scary fast DMV service company, ABC Title. Go to abctitle.com for online service and the location nearest you. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee, and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish Coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake or you name it, Parish Coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online, have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Okay, so we're talking to uh, Jude Melville, who you're the latest member of the Fed. And exactly, first off, how you doing, Jude? Oh, I'm doing well. I got I to tell you, I'm a little disappointed, though. I really thought I was going to get to wear some of those big headphones that you wear in a recording. Right, yeah, I got I some. I put them on, they're just not hooked up? No. Oh, I can hook them up to that if you want oh, to. Okay. But it don't. I mean, I use them when I when I edit, but that's I'm, about it. I appreciate so. you. appreciate you uh, spending the time with me. No, man, you're a busy dude. Well, I'm busy, too, but it's like I don't run a bank. Well, you know, you're like Milburn Drysdale or something like that. It's even not wearing a rug. Hmm. That's all I can think about. You're uh, dating yourself now. Bro, I'm old. <laughs> I know I'm old. But anyway, uh, yeah, I actually used to watch them on TV when they were on their regular. I did too, but they were all reruns when I was watching them. Well, I watched them because of Allie Mae. So, <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, first off, where'd you get the Jude from? Uh, my name is Spud, so yeah, I got it because yeah. I was fat in the Boy Scouts. So where's Jude okay. come from, yeah, and how come they didn't call you Ishmael or something like that? Ah, that's a good a good question. Um, so my name is David R. Melville III, technically, uh, but my dad is a Beatles fan, so I've, hey been, Jude. I've been called Jude, and many, many people have sung Hey Jude to me over the years. I so, wasn't going to go that route. I, I was going right, for the Melville and Ishmael thing, so that's cool. I'm, I'm good with that one. Nah, it works out good. People remember it, which is nice. Well, you know, the thing of it is, you need, people need to be remembered, but for what they do, like what you're doing is going to make you remembered, but being named Jude is going to take the snootiness off the top. So see, I don't know if you're snooty or not. So far, you ain't coming across yeah. that way. But somebody's going to go, oh, he's a banker. He's on the Fed. Oh, snooty patootie. I have, a, I have two teenage daughters, so there's a limit oh. to how snooty I can be, right? Believe me, I have two in their 20s and uh, yeah, and a son. Um, so 
Would you do me a favor and explain to me exactly what the Fed is and does? Sure, and that's been one of the more uh, interesting things for me to explore as I've participated in some of uh, some of the Fed programs over the past few years. So I'm I'm uh, blessed with the opportunity to be uh, chairman of the National CDAC Committee uh, this this year, but I've I've been involved in the program for the last four or five years and. Honestly, when I started, I, it, coming from the perspective of a banker, I felt like all they, the main thing they did was set interest rates and then regulate banks, um, and they do both those things. You know, they, they and, and they, I'm going to want to talk about yeah, interest we'll talk rates about yeah. that. But they impact the money supply, and not just through rates, but through other other mechanisms, especially the past ten years. And um, and then they regulate banks, but they also uh, they serve as a conduit for the government um, and other non-government entities to get a lot of information about the economy. So they did, they have a massive collection effort. That's actually the first introduction I had to it was they came to came to interview me about stuff that I was seeing at the bank and mm-hmm. and with our client base and and so they uh, they, they serve a, an important role of of kind of trying to get down on the ground to figure out what's actually happening in the economy and you know in a country this size you can imagine that when you say the economy you're really talking about many many micro economies so it's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I know that seventy percent of the uh of the people employed in America are employed by by little companies, yeah, small and, businesses and, that have less than fifty people. That's right. And when you read the Wall Street Journal, uh, and you get which to, I and do, you, and you, and I do, I do as well. But but one thing you always note is that it's primarily geared around the big guys, yes. right? The big companies, and uh, and a lot of America um, is not represented by the big companies, and and so the, and so the Fed and some of its programs, in particular the CDAC program that I'm involved in, um, attempts to kind of get down on the ground and and really talk to the, the, the average everyday American. If you had, okay, well, the big guys are represented by the big guys. They're huge. Mm-hmm. They're all in New York. I would, I'll tell you the truth. After Katrina, I was talking to my brother who worked at a bank. And I go, how difficult would it be, since we're trying to rebuild the city of New Orleans, to like make it a financial center like Wall Street? You know, But it's like, that ain't going to happen because nobody ever takes us seriously. But we are, I mean, all the little guys are 70% of it. How come there isn't one guy like you you know, I'm not saying you should do it, but right. one guy like you who would go, I am now, say, 35% of the small businesses and somebody else would be 35% who can fight on the same level as the big guys. Well, that's interesting, interesting thought. And I, and I do think that, um, you know, that's a couple things. One is that that's part of the role that I would like us to serve at the bank. You know, we are a small business focused bank. We do full service banking, but our kind of bread and butter is small businesses. And so mm-hmm. the more that we can, we can represent uh, the better off we all are, I think. And 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 one thing that I've learned over the past few years is that uh, industry trade groups are a, a valuable way to kind of get that input as well and representation. So there are um, there are a lot of trade groups. Uh, the Louisiana Bankers Association obviously is one. Um, um, Lobby is another um, more general one. Um, but they, Which always they, seems but, to be in the news. But they, yeah, but they also represent, they're more likely to represent the small guys than the big guys. And so there are, there are, but you know, a lot of it is... Um, is uh, we have to um, proactively seek a voice, you know, as, as owners and managers of, of small businesses, which we're still relatively small in the, in the, the scheme of in banking. the scheme of things. But I mean, uh, putting you on the Fed, but it's uh, yeah. it's important that, that we uh, that we uh, speak out. And and uh, one nice thing about the interaction that I've had the past couple of years has been as the response to COVID to the pandemic, uh, um, and then now obviously other. Uh, things happening this year, um, it's been nice to be able to 
to um, to have a, a spot at which you're you're having that opportunity to, to speak out a little bit. We just need to take advantage of it. And I'm glad you are. You know, I mean, I, well, again, I didn't understand what the Fed was, so you've yeah. just opened my eyes to a, a whole bunch of stuff which I'm not even prepared to question you about. Sure. You know, because I mean, look, I don't want to say I came in here with a chip on my shoulder, but you always hear stuff. Oh, man, who's going to audit the Fed, and why do we even have the Fed? Why don't we go back to the gold standards? You know, yeah. does another do other countries have something like the Fed, or are they just central banks, or they just the government does everything and that's it? Yeah. No, most countries have a version of it. So there's only one America, and so there's only one uh, Fed. Uh, and so we end up, in, in a lot of cases, being the Fed for the world. Uh, but, but most countries do have a version of, of the Fed. You know, I, I would say that, that my opinion, and, and you know, I, I tend to lean conservative and, and even uh, economically libertarian a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, I would say that the Fed has probably... Um, one of the hardest jobs in the country, and it's been made harder the past decade or so. You know, when, when I first uh, became CEO of our bank uh, back in 11, we were recovering from the Great Recession. And, and one, of the, one of the things that became obvious to me there was that a lot of the government just wasn't responding. And they just kind of yeah. left it up to the Fed to, to do the best they could. And so we've, over time, I think, you know, this country was, was in my layman's reading of our history, um, our country was, was begun with this idea that Congress would be the, the strongest um, um, mm -hmm. portion of government and would be the most closely tied to the people. Um, and then the, the executive would enforce what, what Congress um, yeah. laid out and He's then like the judges would make sure we do it right. Or something like that. Yeah. Right. And, but, but over time, we have uh, Congress um, has kind of stepped back from that role, it seems, or, or at least gotten caught and, uh, and busy with other things, I guess. And and so then you have to ask, well, who's left to, to really take on the challenges? And, and like or don't like what the Fed's done the past 10, 12 years, uh, they, they at least have been trying. Somebody had to do it. Yeah, and so, I, I, so I, admire the, I admire the Fed in general for that. Um, you can obviously um, um, disagree with what they do, and, yeah, but it's a tough job. And, uh, and for a long time, they were kind of the, the adult in the room, I would say. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Which is, you know, maybe that's yeah. a, maybe that's a low bar. <laughs> no, uh, well, I mean, look, I I I talked on uh, talk radio for twelve years and talked a lot of politics. I mean, I had sure. I even had people ask me if I wanted to run for lieutenant governor, and I went, "What are you prepared to do if I win?" If you win, right. yeah. So yeah. anyway, they backed away. <laughs> but uh, my argument has always been, you know, the country was set up better before. I mean, we should repeal the Seventeenth Amendment. We shouldn't have, you know, lifetime appointments especially elected ones, but I don't think somebody should sit on the Supreme Court for more than, than 10 years. I like, I like having the states send two senators, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, if, if we went back to that route, which you're never gonna do, but if we did go back, would, would that ease the tension of the Fed? Would it actually put it more on the elected officials and make them do their jobs better? Or do we got a bunch of ding-dongs up there who wouldn't know what to do anyway? Well, I, I, I think the, I don't know that I would say that the repeal of the 17th Amendment is the only solution there. You certainly could talk about some of the pros and cons, but I think the idea that, that, um, that new faces, new ideas um, change, um, um, and part of that change is making sure that we continue to get everyday normal people up there would, would be a positive. Yeah. You know, part, part of the problem with governance is that uh, it's not just the government, it's also just the nature of bigness. Think about big companies as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of actions are, are end up being geared more around self-perpetuation. 
um, than yes. they do they, than they do whatever is best for us as a as a people over the long run. Well, a lot of, I think maybe a lot of times too, and, and especially going down with this dumbing down of America. And I don't even want to get into that because that ain't your gig. But sometimes I think that they don't think we know what's good for ourselves, and so they're making these actions, going just just sit down and you know pat me on my head and give me a lollipop and leave me alone. And I'm a grown man right. with three kids, and I've I've you know I've never been on the dole. So well, and it's ironic because uh, if you think about a lot of governmental action over the years, I think we could all point to more instances of unintended consequences mm -hmm. um, than we could um, outcomes that were that were um, directed and intended from mostly good intentions. There are a lot of great, great oh, yeah. people, smart people up there, but bureaucracy is a powerful thing, and, and our country is. Um, yeah. Is subject to those rules just like a company is. I would think some of the problems would be that if we did do that and, and, and had term limits where somebody could only be up there a couple of terms and that would be it, then the bureaucrats would be running everything because they're the only ones inside the beltway that all the time. So right. yeah, it's that, a that sticky way. That is, that, is, uh, that is a tension for sure. Yeah. I want to talk about all kinds of other stuff too, but I know you, you got a foundation and I want to give you a chance to, to tell everybody what's it about and how they can take advantage of you know, if, if there's something you can do for them or if there's something they can do for you. Sure, sure. Well, a couple, we're actually got a couple of big initiatives that we've started over the past two or three years. So we, you know, just by virtue of being a community bank, um, our mission is to serve the community. So, so uh, when you think about the, the, um, the outlay of PPP loans, mm -hmm. you know, we, we uh, were the conduit for over $600 million worth of PPP loans, uh, Main Street Lending Program, $350 million. Um, made over $2 billion worth of credit allocation last year um, to small businesses and individuals. Mm -hmm. So those are all very important things and contributions that we make, but we wanted to take it uh, a step further. And so two, two initiatives that we started, one was the B1 Foundation. And so the B1 Foundation uh, uh, really has three missions. Um, one is for, um, for financial literacy. So how can we teach? Oh. How can we? Yeah, yeah, and you know, I'll be a student of that because I flunk it across the board. But that's a great example of the government unintended consequences with the best intentions. Um, uh, when you think about disclosure rules, and and you know, think about now that the that the, um, the CFPB has been much more active, or it's created and then been active, um, making supposedly consumer finance more uh, visible for mm -hmm. consumers. That just means that your mortgage application has has mushroomed right by a size of ten, and, and probably it's, there's less disclosure than there used to be. And so we want to help people figure out um, what's actually going on and, and how they can 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 do the best that they can with their money. So that's that's one mission. Two is uh, is uh, we have a lot of uh, disasters in, in Louisiana in mm -hmm. particular, and because our footprint, so we go from we go from Houma, New Orleans, North Shore, all the way over to um, this month, we will close an acquisition in Houston. And then in the northern part of the state, we go from, I don't know if you've heard of Rayville or oh, yeah. Monroe, um, all the way over to Dallas. And so we have a pretty widespread footprint, and something is always happening in that foot. Well, I mean, footprint. you follow an I 10 and I 20, right? I 20 corridors. So the, but that's where most of the people live anyway. All right. of them are within like 20, 25 miles either uh, side of one of the corridors. Yeah. Right. yeah, but but it also means that we're vulnerable to, uh, to natural disasters and, and, uh, so part of the foundation's mission is to help um, our area and our, our people, our employees, recover mm -hmm. um, from from that from those things that happen. And the third thing is, which I'm I'm very excited about, is is uh, working on granting access to capital to micro businesses. So there are a lot of micro business. I've heard the term, just, but just 
uh, tiny businesses, probably you know under a million dollars in revenue that that uh, usually have one or two folks working there, the owners, proprietors, and uh, it's businesses that, that work hard, provide a good product, but may not really understand the finance side of it. And so they have trouble getting, getting initiated into the banking system. And so part of our mission is can we help those, those uh, entrepreneurs um, navigate the banking landscape? So for example, over the past year, we've, we've uh, had kind of a virtual incubator. We've mentored over 100 small businesses here in Baton Rouge. Uh, many of whom we've been able to um, to coach into um, uh, normal banking relationships. So, no, very few small businesses are seeking handouts or grants. You know, they want to work and get rewarded for that, reinvesting. Yeah. I don't want to be owed to anybody. No, they want to. They're doing their thing, and yeah. uh, uh, but they don't necessarily understand the language of banking. And so, if we can help them um, enter the banking system, then we we all we all win when we do that. So, so we obviously have a website, b1bank.com. Uh, on there, there's a link to our foundation. We'd love to love to um, um, to hear from folks that want to be involved. We we started in Baton Rouge, and we'll now begin expanding that to our other to our other markets as we're. As well, we're let me know when you get to Metairie. That's where I live, and in Homa too. We'll look you up. Well, we right. have we have a location in Metairie, so I'm looking forward. I know to, where it looking is. Looking forward to talking to you about moving your banking relationship over to <laughs> to, uh, to B1 Bank. All right. Well, we'll talk about that off the air. But when we get back here, now we got to talk about the ugly stuff. We got to talk about the influence of what is what is this invasion going to do to the inflation rate? What's it going to do to my credit card rate? What's it going to do to my 401k? So going to hit those with you when we get back here with Jude Melville, who is no kin to Herman, but he's a smart cookie. So stick around. Spun here. Are you used to packing a lunch when you go get a new driver's license? Well, go to ABC Title. With six locations, we're scary fast. I mean, you need a car title or a license plate or a real ID or just a notary public. Go to abctitle.com to find the scary fast office nearest you. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound too good. You better start filling sandbags. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore because you have the home team advantage. You called Home Team Elevation at 504-301-1222 and you got your home lifted above the flood. No more worries for you. What about your mama's house or your uncles or your brothers? Home Team is ready to lift their spirits even higher than your home. Get the Home Team advantage by calling 504-301-1222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. Okay. That was part one with Jude Melville of B1 Bank. Part two will be up tomorrow night. Make sure you stay tuned for that here on the Spudcast podcast. In the meantime, you can hear the Spudcast on uh, Red Circle and Spotify and Google Podcasts and on Amazon Music and Public Radio and Stitcher and on my Twitter page at SpudGotDat and on my Facebook page at Spud's Friends and Fans, uh, John McConnell and The Big Teasy. In the meantime, don't forget, stay tuned. Part two of my interview with Jude Melville, President and CEO of B1 Bank, not quite on the Fed, but closer than you and me. All right.